Our scripture lesson this morning that is listed in the bulletin is Judges chapter 13, verses 2 through 24. It's a fairly long section, and so I've actually shortened it a little bit, but you could follow along in the entirety of it, and you'll see what I've skipped over. I will cover some of that during our sermon today as well. But listen now for God's word to us in Judges chapter 13. The angel of the Lord appeared to the wife of Manoah and said to her, Although you have borne no children, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, be careful not to drink wine or strong drink or to eat anything unclean, for you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor is to come on his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from birth. It is he who shall begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like that of an angel of God, most awe-inspiring. I did not ask him where he came from, and he did not tell me his name, but he said to me, You shall conceive and bear a son. So then, drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from birth to the day of his death. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O oh, my Lord, I pray, let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we are to do concerning the boy who will be born. God listened to Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But her husband Manoah was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, The man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. Manoah got up and followed his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Then Manoah said, Now when your words come true, what is to be the boy's rule of life? What is he to do? The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, let the woman give heed to all that I said to her. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine. She is not to drink wine or strong drink or eat anything unclean. She is to observe everything that I commanded her. The woman bore a son and named him Samson. The boy grew and the Lord blessed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I said earlier, this is our fifth Sunday of uh, looking at what we have to learn from a few women of the Old Testament. Before we sing our response to the scripture one more time, which we have sung each week, uh, before we sing this prayer, I just want to remind us, as I did several weeks ago, that there are many other women of the Old Testament that we have to learn from, just like there are many other women of history, many faithful women who have gone before us, who have experienced something of God. And so while this series comes to a close today, hopefully it has whetted your appetite to learn more and hear more of the stories of women that have often been forgotten or changed throughout history. And so let us respond to our scripture reading in song.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we are grateful indeed for the women who have gone before us and for your word for us this day. May we see more of you in your word. Amen. Once again, with our text this morning, we have a situation where we don't know the name of the woman, the woman in our text. There are theories about who this woman was, but really what we have in our text initially is one thing. She is Manoah's wife. We also know, and we will know as as we've heard through the text, that she is the mother of one of the most important Old Testament men, Samson. But that's about what we know of her, really, from our text. We do know at the outset there that she has not had any children. Our text indicates that she likely couldn't have children, or at least that she had concluded that she was not going to have children, that she would not be able to. But unlike many other women of the Bible who are unable to have children, we have nothing in the text that indicates that she went before God asking to be able to have a child. In many of the situations in Scripture, Hannah is a good example, there is a deep longing that is expressed before God of a desire to be with child. But in this case, we don't see that. We can read it into it, but the omission might be be, a, be an indicator of where she was in terms of her acceptance of her status. But really what happens here is at the beginning of the text, this angel comes and appears to her and says simply, you're going to have a child. And then he gets a little specific. He gives these specific but brief instructions to her. Don't drink alcohol don't eat certain foods, follow these rules while you're pregnant. And she said, the angel says to her that the the child is going to be a Nazarite. Once he's born, she's to keep him from ever cutting his hair, and then he's to continue the dietary rules that she starts while she's pregnant. A little bit about Nazarites. Nazarites were individuals who were dedicated to God for a specific purpose. They were set apart from the rest of society. They lived together and they followed these rules. But being a Nazarite was typically by choice. Someone would choose to uh, accept a calling to be into this community. But in this case, it's this boy who's going to be called Samson who's had the choice made for him already, presumably by God communicated to his mother. And the angel tells Manoah's wife that she is to raise this child as a Nazarite. And Manoah's wife tells Manoah what the angel said. And I wonder if you caught what happens next, right after she tells him. He basically goes and prays to God and says, God, let that man come back. Come again and tell us what we're to do. For whatever reason, it isn't enough for the man to have his wife receive the detailed instructions. He tells God, I want to hear it for myself. And our text says that God listened to Manoah. And before we shake our finger at God, God sends the angel again To whom? To the woman, again. 
God sends the angel to her, and she's in this field, and she's not with her husband, but she stops, and she clearly does not want to deal with her husband's questions again. So she runs and gets him so that he can hear it for himself. When Manoah meets the angel, he says, so what are we supposed to do? Now, the question's not that strange, right? He really wants to get confirmation, but the answer is a little strange. I say the question's not strange because it makes sense that now that he's got this source here of information that he wants to, he wants to get a little more detail. He's asking for some explanation about what God wants of his boy, especially because the instructions that he's heard from his wife are a little peculiar, But the answer from the angel goes back to Manoah's wife. The angel says, your wife needs to do what I've told her to do. She's already heard it. She knows the instructions. She's to observe everything that I commanded her. And Manoah pushes. He really wants more information. And in the part that I didn't read, what happens is this back and forth with the angel. He pushes on the angel to stay, stay here, stay here. And the angel finally gives in and says, all right, if I stay, then you need to start a fire and burn a sacrifice to God, a burnt offering to God. Before he does that, though, Manoah keeps pushing back a little more. What's your name? I want to know who you are. It's almost as though he's beginning to question, perhaps, what's going on here? So he pushes. What's your name? Why do you ask my name? The angel says, it's too wonderful Again, presumably, it's too wonderful for you to know, right? And so Manoah starts a fire. He burns the sacrifice. He puts some meat on the fire. And the text says that when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended on the flame while Manoah and his wife looked on. And they fall to the ground, face first, flat, Can you imagine this sight unfolding before them? Manoah completely freaks out when this happens. He just goes into full-on panic mode as he realizes that this was a messenger from God. She knew it. She had figured it out. But he just now figures it out as he watches this angel go up into heaven. And he says to her, Surely we're going to die, for we have seen God. I can just see Manoah in this state of complete panic. He's losing it. And there's good reason for that, because throughout the Old Testament, when people saw God, it was a formula. You saw God, and you died. Over and over again. And he's heard these stories, and so he sees God, and he goes, Oh no, oh no, we're done. We're done. And he knew he should be worried, but... What about his wife? She calms him down. She tells him, take a deep breath. She's processed this. She's already knew what she had encountered. She had listened to the promises, listened to the instructions, and she basically says to him, listen, if God wanted to kill us, God wouldn't have asked us to do these things and made these promises to us. God could have killed us already. And the husband's silent after that. He doesn't say a a word about it. And the next thing we read, a son is born. She names him Samson. And the text says that the boy grew 
and the Lord blessed him. And so Manoah's wife becomes for us Samson's mother. I wish this was the end of the story. I wish I could say, and they all lived happily ever after. I wish that this is one of those moments where we could focus on the way that this woman trusted God, corrected her husband, and in the end, it all went well. But it actually sort of falls apart. It falls apart for them. Samson is not an easy child, and that's not really accurate. Samson is a very, very difficult child. As he grows up, he pursues women who are from enemy nations, and he doesn't just stop there. He lusts after multiple women. He drinks well beyond excess. He's hot-headed. He's motivated constantly and consistently by his own interests and desires. Doesn't sound like a Nazarite, does it? From what little I've told you about them, it doesn't sound like one who is devoted to God this identity that was put upon him from before birth. And so this makes me stop in this story. Actually, though, I would love to keep going. Judges chapters 14 through 16 are some of the most action-packed chapters of the Bible. And if you're ever feeling that your Bible is boring, you think the Bible is boring, go read about Samson killing a thousand of his enemies with the jawbone of a donkey or what he does out of revenge when his father-in-law tells him that his wife is now sleeping with his best friend. There's a lot in those chapters. The drama is rich and there's nothing boring about the life of Samson. But I pause or stop this story of Samson because I want to go back to his mother. Actually, his mother and his father Remember how Manoah was asking questions of the messenger of the Lord? He wanted details. He wanted details about what it was going to be like to raise a son. He wanted a handbook almost, right? A guidebook, an instruction manual. I wonder if you can relate to this, those of you especially who have had children. A handbook or a guide would have been nice, I'm sure, but the angel's instructions are limited. They're very narrow. The angel's instructions are given to our woman of the Old Testament, and the instructions she receives are clear, and according to our text, she follows them. And so I stop this story of Samson because I want to know how she felt. How she felt as she watched her son's self-destructive behavior. Rejecting his past, turning from his parents, going in the complete opposite direction she would have had him go. I wonder what this felt like for his mother. The faithful mother who our text says did everything seemingly that she was supposed to do. What did it feel like for her to watch her child spiral out of control? They try to stop him. They beg him, actually. In our text, they beg him. And Samson is tough-willed. He does what he's going to do. 
And when they beg him to make better choices, he rejects them. He turns from them completely. And I can imagine that as painful as this must have been for her and for Manoa, there must have been some element of letting go that they had to do. We've all been there in relationships where we just have to release, as hard as it must be. And she had to do it, though. She had to let him go and let him be who he was going to be. You see, it's interesting, right? Because these instructions that she got, the first half of those instructions dealt with how she was to carry this child. She had control. She had control over that situation. But once he was born, the instructions were that she was to have him continue to live that way. But at some point, she had no control. There is a critically important piece of the story, one that over, gets overlooked much of the time. There's a heated exchange that happens between Samson and his parents about one of his first bad choices, the decision to marry a woman from the enemy nation. And the text says this, Samson's father and mother did not know that this was from the Lord. I want you to sit with that for a moment. One commentary, in a very matter-of-fact way, states that the narrator reveals that an action contrary to basic Israelite standards is actually part of a divine plan. His father and mother did not know that this was from the Lord. Our woman in this morning's text, Samson's mother, Manoah's courageous steady, faithful, calm, strong wife. She listened to God. We know that part is obvious. She allows herself to be utilized by God, and at some point, she let go. Despite her faith, despite all that she tries to do, her son will be who he is. Her son will be his own person, and she can't control that. And she can't control the outcome. He has the freedom to establish his own identity. And some children, even when they've been raised with great care and love, some children make poor choices, dangerous choices. But even then, the God of resurrection, the God of changed identity, the God who knows the end of the story, the God of resurrection has the power to redeem and the power to complete and the power to reconcile us. And yes, Samson does indeed lead a messy life and a life of questionable actions and decisions. But Samson, in the history of our church, with all his flaws, is regarded as one of the most significant heroes of the faith. In the New Testament letter of Hebrews, Samson is listed among a handful of others for his efforts to protect the people of Israel against their enemy. 
For 20 years, he fought for their freedom and he died doing so. There is a lot more in the life of Samson to see. But you see, let's go back to Samson's mother because Samson's mother models for us not just the devotion of a parent. She models for us the pain of a parent, the pain of a faithful parent and the confusion of a parent. And even more so, I would submit that she should be listed in that long list of heroes in Hebrews chapter 11, because she represents a steady, solid faith and a faith that listened to God even when it wasn't clear what God was doing. God, what are you doing? I've done everything you asked of me, and my son has gone in this other direction. I don't understand it. His father and mother did not know that this was from the Lord. So often when we're in the midst of God doing a new thing, we don't realize it at all. And our cries of why might be footnoted. Footnoted with that little note that they didn't know what God was up to. Samson's mother presses on. She models for us what it's like to live faithfully, even when it isn't clear how God is possibly going to bring God's resurrection wonder. Even when it isn't clear how the story will reach the end that God intends for us. The end where we, where Samson, where each one of us truly find our identity in Christ when we are reconciled to the one who has been with us throughout our lives, in all of it, in all of it, in, in all of the lives of our children, in all of the lives of those who seem to have strayed. We don't know when it will happen that we are reconciled to this God, this one who claims us, the one who remains faithful to us always. And so, friends, may we, too, have the faith of this strong woman of the Old Testament. A woman who is a pillar and a hero of the faith. A woman who listened to God and who followed God, even when God's plan was not clear to her. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.